guilty soul condemned by shame hear mercy calling out your name his blood can cleanse your every stain bring your failures to the cross hello and welcome to the community bible church podcast where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter chapter, weekly discussion of the book Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. My name is Matt Owen. I am the lead pastor at Community Bible Church of Orange Park, and I am joined today by Joseph Brader, who is our pastor of worship and discipleship here at CBC. Joseph, how are you? I'm great. How about you? I am doing uh, pretty good. Excellent. I don't really have like a thing to throw at you today. <clears throat> Really? Yeah, nothing in left field, nothing that you weren't prepared for. I love it. This is great. For some reason, I feel like being nice to you. (laughs) This is, I actually don't know what to do with that. I know. Um, It's like you are thrown off anyway. Exactly. By my kindness. Perhaps more. My kindness is throwing you off. (laughs) Well, just just roll with it. I was thinking maybe you would have something to uh, throw me off with today, but... Guess that's uh, guess that's not going to happen. You can save that for next week. Uh, we are on chapter seven, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And chapter seven is uh, everybody's favorite topic: God's <laughs> wrath. <laughs> uh, what our what our sins evoke. And so we want to talk a little bit uh, about God's wrath and about God's grace as. Uh, as we go through this chapter today. Um, uh, first question I want to ask is is this. Is it impossible to overstate the reality of divine wrath? Do you think it's do you think that can be overstated or not be overstated? What do you think there? I uh, the simple answer is uh, I think I, I think I agree with him. It's impossible okay. to overstate, like at a theological, categorical level, impossible to overstate divine wrath. In the mm-hmm. same way that it's it, that it's impossible to overstate uh, the love and mercy of God and okay. the compassion of God. I think that's true, um, and I think he explains that in a really really helpful way. However, um, I think there's a way to distort or get way out of balance uh, about the wrath of God in such a way that. Uh, that it sounds, it feels a little bit like overstating. Okay. So, um, I think in a lot of maybe the kind of legalistic circles that some of us have grown up in, or legalistic experiences that we've had and backgrounds that we've had, um, all you get is wrath, and it feels like the wrath has yet to be fully satisfied, mm-hmm. which isn't exactly overstating it, mm-hmm. but it's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Christians are there is no more wrath. For the Christian, Mm -hmm. Jesus has fully drained the cup of God's wrath. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we heard that a few weeks ago when Adam Flint was with us preaching, and he made a comment uh, in regards to suffering. He he said, "One thing I can tell you for absolute certain is that if you're suffering, God is not punishing you; Mm -hmm. He's discipling you. Mm -hmm. There's no more wrath to be had." So I don't think you can overstate the reality of divine wrath, but I think you can talk about it to Christians in such a way that it makes us feel like we still have to do something to get away from it, Yeah, which is really dangerous. And frankly, it undercuts the heart of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Would it be, would I be accurately summarizing what you're saying there 
if I said if it's it's impossible to overstate God's wrath in the sense that we find it very difficult to even comprehend the the strength of God's wrath, but it can be overemphasized in proportion to other things it becomes the controlling thing is that is yeah. that what you're saying or, or you're saying something different maybe incorrectly applied and understood okay um so i that's that's probably really similar to uh, overemphasized or misemphasized yeah but uh if 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 you're a christian and you find yourself thinking and feeling like um, like I'm still under the wrath of God mm-hmm. or the wrath of God is still going to hunt me down, mm-hmm. we've done it wrong. Yeah, yeah. I th- you're right about that. Why do you think, oh, just changing gears a little bit, why do you think it is hard for us to really come to grips with God's wrath mm-hmm. as 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 Christians today? Why do, you, why do you think we find it hard to understand that? Yeah, um, I think there's probably a couple reasons. One, like it's really an unpleasant thing to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true and it's valid and it's vitally important and it flows out of the character of God, but it's not fun. Um, and then, I mean, I'm just like personally, I have to think about friends and relatives who have died apart from Christ and are experiencing like the everlasting wrath of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a very personal nature to some of it. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to reckon with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not, we don't like to deal with really unpleasant, uncomfortable things. Almost no one does. Uh, so I think that's one thing, but on the other hand, I I don't think we see ourselves. He kind of talks about this. We don't really see ourselves as that bad. Yeah. Right. So clearly like these people, unless you're Hitler Mm -hmm. or, you know, Genghis Khan or somebody Nero, Mm -hmm. you don't deserve that. Right. Surely. Right. Um, so I think we have a, uh, misconception about ourselves and our sin yeah that lightens it yeah yeah we we definitely have a a warped sense of self mm-hmm. and uh and a misunderstanding of god's perfection yeah 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 equally important in that um and you know, people talk sometimes about the idea of god's wrath being more of an old testament emphasis sure um but you know, it's pretty clear in the New Testament as well. I mean, even, you know, the, the verse that comes to mind for me is John 3.36 because, you know, John 3.16 is the verse everybody in the entire world <laughs> yeah. knows. You know, God loves the world, um, gives his only son, which is absolutely true. But the very last verse of that chapter is whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him, mm-hmm. which which kind of highlights the idea that we're 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 actually born under God's wrath. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's not something that we acquire once we've done enough, uh, done enough bad things. But right. it's it's there, um, and the only way to avoid that wrath is is in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but this chapter isn't all about wrath. <laughs> no, um, in in some ways, it's it's not decentralizing or de-emphasizing wrath. Uh, so it's not talk I, I don't think the goal of this book is to is to lower a sense of God's wrath to raise up a sense of God's grace right but rather to raise up a sense of God's grace. Yeah mm-hmm. by, em- by emphasizing helpfully and correctly the wrath right right yeah 
So um, one of the things that he says not, in his, as he's talking about grace is it's, it's important that we not see grace as a kind of stockpiled treasure. Mm-hmm. Why is that important that we not view grace like that? Yeah. If it's, if it's stockpiled, um, I can use it up. Okay. Or at least temporarily. At, at best, it has to kind of reload, right? Yeah. It's a zero-sum so game. The, right. the pie gets smaller exactly. every bit that's taken. Exactly. Which is going to prevent me then from running to God for grace because I'm going to think, uh, if I use enough of it up, what if I don't have enough for something worse tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really got to save this for the really bad stuff. Yeah. Cash these chips in. Exactly. Exactly. And then it, it implies probably, too, that I can do something to restockpile. Mm-hmm. Because how's the stockpile get filled yeah. up? I mean, I don't know, but there's as good a chance as any that I got something to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go, I think this is related to what you just said, but if it's a kind of stockpiled treasure, then there can be an implication there that that there's there's grace to be had that I don't yet possess. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, so I've got to, I've got to get... <clears throat> more of it somehow and yeah. of course there's various ideas about how we unlock that usually all related to things that we're doing yeah like you said. performance performance all day um, long yeah yeah but um but that's a, a good point that he makes is that we we need to move away from seeing it like that yeah. uh as a, as a kind of stockpiled treasure um so one of the things that he does towards the other towards the end of the chapter and these these are my words here um but he he wants us to see my in my words the the ferocity um of of god's compassion Mm -hmm. towards his children and the question i want to ask is is how does god's holiness which we agree motivates his wrath the reason he has such a hatred for sinners because he is perfectly holy and separate from sinners yeah okay so so how does god's holiness which we all agree motivates the ferocity of his wrath also motivate if i might put it in the same terms the ferocity of his compassion yeah uh it's because like what's what is holy and right reaches out to what is in need Mm -hmm. like in uh in concise terms and hopefully helpful terms, I'm just going to read a sentence from page 69, the bottom of page 69. He says, Just as the purer a heart, the more horrified at evil, so also the purer a heart, the more it's naturally drawn out to help and relieve and protect and comfort, whereas a corrupt heart sits still, indifferent. So he's made the point in, uh, in a previous chapter that the people who receive compassion for Jesus are the ones Mm. who show up. Mm. Um, so I think that's this is kind of building off of that, like 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 you've shown up, mm-hmm. uh, which means we're acknowledging our need, and so then the uh, the holiness now drives compassion for the one in need, mm-hmm. even though it's horrified at the evil. There's been a this is what repentance is, right? Mm-hmm. There's a turning of uh, our perspective towards our sin, yeah, and that change in perspective um, is is brings about maybe a different different response we could say mm-hmm. uh be motivated equally by the holiness of god yeah. towards the sinner yeah um and then it it drives him it it fuels even greater compassion if you mm-hmm. will yeah in the same way that in the same way that that god 
cannot turn a blind eye to sin, that he is going to bring about the full measure of his wrath against sinners, uh, we should attach a an, an equally strong desire to show grace and compassion to his own. Mm-hmm. Just as yeah. it would be unjust for for God to turn a blind eye to sin, in a very real sense, it's unjust for him to not pursue compassion for his children to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Because his holiness just as much demands wrath as it does demand grace for for his people. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of a revolutionary thought. Yeah. Yeah, we don't... I've never thought about it any in anything close to those terms before. Yeah. Um, that kind of circles back and helps us understand the wrath thing earlier that we were mm-hmm. talking about, though, mm-hmm. of uh, the wrath being abated, dispelled for us. And mm-hmm. um, this, instead of wrath, here's what the holiness of God now... Uh, here's how, the, how God's holiness drives him to relate to us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, just to you know, kind of end with what he says on pages 74 and 75. He said, just as we so easily live with a diminished view of the punitive judgment of God that will sweep over those out of Christ, so we easily live with a diminished view of the compassionate heart of God sweeping over those in Christ. Um, and he says, our hearts gasp to catch up with this. Yeah. And that puts it really well. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts you have before we close off for today? I don't think so. Okay. No. Well, um, as we've said each week, we hope you're having uh, conversations about this with other people. Um, hopefully you're having conversations this, about this around your dinner table with your family or um, if you're looking for something to talk about after church on, on Sundays, uh, you could ask the person behind you are you reading Gentle and Lovely? And if they are, uh, if they're not, okay, don't lay a guilt trip on them. It's okay. <laughs> we said at the beginning, this is an if you want to kind of thing. Um, but if somebody is, uh, you know, have some of the questions in your mind. Have a have a five minute discussion. You don't have to even follow the. We're giving conversation starters in the app and the email every week, but you don't have you can have your own conversation start your own conversations yeah yeah yeah. you don't have to have our conversation have your own conversation but have a conversation (laughs) um well i'll finish with matthew 11 28 to 30 as i as i do each week jesus says come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Find your comfort, come you lost and find your home. There is grace for every sinner, perfect rest in Christ alone.